Today is Palm Sunday, and we begin entering into Holy Week. This is where it starts. And of course, with our liturgy, we strive to remember what that setting might have been like. We did that as we gathered over in Rector's Hall just a moment ago and lined the sidewalk to make a parade route for the donkey. And now we know why donkeys don't usually come to church. (laughs) Sarah said she's never had what happened this morning ever happen, but I guess statistics just show it's just bound to happen once. (laughs) So um, thank you to Paul and the ushers for remedying um, our donkey visit. And I do hope that next year people will sign up to be ushers on Palm Sunday. We come into Holy Week in real time. That's the gift of Holy Week, is that we get to enter into the stories in real time, just as Jesus lived them. So as we mark this Holy holy Day, Palm Sunday, when Jesus enters into Jerusalem, that happened five days before Good Friday, which happened two days before the resurrection. So we get to live this out in real time. One way to approach Holy Week is to kind of be behind the story, if you will, to let the story go first, to try to wipe our minds clean of what we've known about any of this so that we can meet it on a very new level, as if for the first time. That's one way to approach Holy Week, to let it be a passion for us and that we get scooped up into the story. We are also taken behind Jesus into the events of the week. That's one way to approach the Holy Week stories. Another way to approach it is on the opposite end, to recognize that we are 2,000 years past the events that we are now remembering, 2,000 years of Christianity that have grown up of post-resurrection life, people's lives being changed because Jesus indeed was raised from the dead. And because of that, it changes the way we see everything. It takes us even to before Jesus and changes the way that we see everything. That's another way to approach the events and the stories of Holy Week. And that's the the direction from which I would like to approach this Holy Week with you. It was 2,000 years ago that Jesus was raised from the dead. And as people came to understand what it meant for death to not have the final word, it changed how they viewed everything. It even changed the way that they engaged the Hebrew Scriptures that Jesus reminded people of in his life. It changed the way that we can understand those stories as a resurrection people. Because we must admit that when we read the Hebrew scriptures, we read them from a very particular standpoint. We read them from the understanding that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one, the one who has come into the world. And so when we look back into the Hebrew scriptures, we read all references to the Messiah with a particular thing in mind. It's important. It honors, actually, our brothers and sisters in the Jewish faith by recognizing that we come at these stories differently than they do. And so I want us to engage the particularities of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem with an awareness that we come to this story because we know what happens. We know that Good Friday comes. We know that Easter Day is on its way. And every Sunday, 
And, any, and many times in between, we remember that we are a resurrection people when we celebrate the Eucharist. There's an order of the Holy Cross, a Benedictine Episcopal men's order, a monastery. They have several monasteries around the world, but one of them is right up here in West Park, New York. And it is a wonderful retreat. Many people in this congregation have been up there for a set retreat or just for individual retreat time. And it was last year after Easter that I ran away to Holy Cross for 24 hours, gave myself over to the rhythm of their life, the silence and their prayers, the smell of incense, and just to immerse myself in that sacred space for a time of rest and renewal. And while I was there, I discovered a little book that I devoured during that 24 hours. It was Christ, it's called Christ in the Old Testament, Liturgical Meditations on the Passion. It was written by Brother Bonnell Spencer, a brother of the Order of the Holy Cross, back in 1966. And in it, he looks at the Hebrew greats, those people of the, of the Israel faith, and how it is that we can see Christ reflected in them. Particularly, I want to share with you his reflections on Joshua. Joshua led the Hebrew people in a war against the Amalekites. And it was a fight against evil. That's the understanding of the battle that Joshua led the Hebrew people in. He typifies in this battle that, Jesus, that as Jesus, as the head of the church militant, engaged in a ceaseless yet victorious struggle against the forces of evil. Joshua engages, and we can see then, if we reflect on Joshua, Jesus' engagement with the ceaseless yet victorious battle against the forces of evil. Joshua in Hebrew means Yahweh is salvation, and Jesus is Greek, which means God delivers his people. Jesus and Joshua are essentially the same name. And so we have a chance to reflect on the kingship of Jesus as we remember the work and the leadership of Joshua. As Jesus enters into Jerusalem on a donkey, we are reminded of kingship. Kings come in on a steed, usually something stronger and more noble, but nonetheless entering in, showing their leadership, their kingship. Matthew talks about this in his gospel, and Mark does as well. That here is the one that comes promising that salvation is from God. Brother Bonnell invites us to reflect on Joshua so that we can reflect on Jesus. He writes, if we associate Joshua representing Christ in the church militant, we get important insights into the struggle against temptation and sin. That which defeats us in the first instance is the refusal to recognize that we have in Christ the power to prevail. We are correctly impressed with the strength of the enemy, and we forget that the risen Christ, in whom we are incorporated, has already conquered and is prepared to manifest that victory through us. We forget. It's our first sin. We forget that Christ has already been victorious over evil, and through us, we'll do the same. He goes on to write, 
As individuals, we yield to silly little temptations on the grounds that we cannot hold out forever, so we might as well sin and get it over with. Or we settle for something far less than what we recognize as the Christian standard because although we are members of Christ, we do not aspire to be saints. So our second sin is giving up. Seeing it before us, the work, we decide we're really not sure we have it in us, or we're not trying to be superstars anyway. And we let the transforming and victorious power of Christ go. Finally, he says, as a society, we tolerate evils we clearly discern because we consider them too firmly entrenched to be overcome. So our third sin, looking around us at that which we know is wrong in the world, we wonder what can one little person do anyway? And we resign ourselves that this is just how it has to be. We forget that unified in Christ, we can make a new reality that we have been given that strength, that possibility, because we are children of the living God, because we have been transformed through the resurrection of Jesus. Brother Bonnell reminds us that Joshua led the Hebrew people into Canaan and the stamping out of evil found there. So when we, having been baptized, nurtured and disciplined by the church, make a genuine self-surrender to Jesus as our leader, when we are prepared to follow him across the Jordan into the promised land, we are used by him to attack the evils that beset our society and to redeem our time. When we give our lives over to the risen Christ, God does something more with us than we ever thought possible. And it's only revealed to us as we give ourselves over to it. That's when we begin to discover what it means to be a baptized person, what it means to live transformed in the world. Disciplined by the church means how it is that we are nurtured in the faith, how it is that we come to discover again and again what it is that God has done in raising Jesus from the dead. Because we come to these stories new. Again, they are new to us as we change and grow in our faith. Brother Bonnell goes on to say, If we are going to follow Christ in bearing the cross, we must see clearly what the cross meant to him. It was not for him the cure of sin, since in him was no sin. It was not for him a means of self-discipline, mortification, or betterment, for he was already perfect. He did not offer the suffering to the Father in order to persuade him to forgive man. No, Christ accepted the cross in obedience to the Father's will so that the divine love and forgiveness might be manifested. It was for sinners, not for himself or for God, that he endured the cross. As a man, Christ bore the consequences of sin in obedience and forgiveness. It was an act of outgoing love to God and man. For us, the cross should have the same significance. Jesus allowed the events of the last week of his life to play out to their fullest extent because he wanted for us to know the transforming mercy and love of God. If he'd stopped it anywhere along the way, we would have only thought of his power 
and would have not known that that power goes on and on and on into time. We need to know that the mercy of God is what triumphs over all things. By Jesus giving himself over to the events of this last week of his life, this week that we call holy, we come to see the mercy and love of God. He takes all the hate and the evil into himself. It kills him, and yet he triumphs over it in the resurrection. We come to know, through his death, the glory and goodness of God because of the resurrection. We remember in the words of the Old Testament that God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And that is what Jesus gives us in his death. He gives us God's mercy. And we believe it. It is guaranteed to us in the resurrection. Through the resurrection, we come to see that it is definite, that we can bank on the mercy and love of God, that it does transform the world. And when we begin to see that Jesus really is our Savior, then we understand the events of the resurrection more than 2,000 years ago. Like as if it was an earthquake and the Richter scale is so great that it reverberates and hits us right here in 2015. We're invited in this week to come and to discover that Jesus is our Savior. That through his giving of his life, through his taking of the hate and evil of the world into himself, to such the extent that it kills him, we are offered the mercy and triumphant love of God. We are saved from the evils of this world and empowered to reflect God's saving acts to those around us. Amen.